It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Buff Nation. Let's go, baby. Welcome into DMVR Buffs Primetime. We are presented by Illegal Pete's, everyone's go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beers. And the man is here. After uh, launching a whole other branch of the network, man, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, you know, I've been in and out, obviously, for a couple weeks. I had to keep it a little bit on the down low uh, where I was most of the time. And uh, it's been an awesome experience out here. Philadelphia is a really cool city and super stoked for their fans to, you know, get a chance to uh, experience what, uh, what, what people in Denver, Phoenix and Chicago before them have had a chance to experience. And so um, this is uh, this has been fun. Hell yeah, man. Um, I know we got people watching from all over the country, all over the world. So if we got any Philly fans out there, we got you covered now on the all city network. Make sure you guys check out, check out P H L Y. First time I've really spoken to you after the Nebraska game. We'll get to the comments on Matt Roll after, but man, the national attention has just picked up tenfold since last week. Not only game day, big noon. Um, we've got 60 minutes coming to town. Pat McAfee, first take. It is if you're the who's who of media, you're in Boulder. 100 percent It's one of the craziest things I've maybe ever seen in college sports. Um a, a team like this capturing the hearts and minds of all of America in such a short period of time is just remarkable. Uh, And now you have every single media outlet, every single show, everyone wants to get a piece of what's going on in Boulder. And it's, it's pretty, pretty remarkable to watch. It's amazing. I mean, and just, you know, we kind of heard about it on Saturday after the game when it was announced that Big Noon was going to be coming back. And it was a little confusing at first because we knew ESPN had the game. We knew game day was probably going to be here. But now even Fox, they're not even going to showcase this game on Big Noon. And they feel the need to bring the show back. This is the biggest story in sports right now. It's taken the world by storm. You know, the bandwagon buffs thing, it used to kind of be a fun thing on our show. It's a real thing like around the nation now. Everyone's hopping onto the bandwagon. It's been a lot of fun, man. I can't wait for Saturday. I can't either. And it's been incredible. And, and the one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was the real reason why this, ha- this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Coach Prime is the catalyst that makes all of this go. If Coach Prime's not here, uh, there's no way, even with the 2-0 start, the hype is where it is right now. But it's not all Coach Prime. What Coach Prime does is Coach Prime provides you opportunity. Coach Prime 
provides you eyeballs. Coach Prime provides you hype. He does all that. And on top of all that, he also provides you elite coaching, surrounds you with an elite coaching staff, makes sure you're fed three meals a day, all this stuff. He does all that stuff right. But there's one thing that he can't do, Jake, and that is get out there between those lines and play football. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure everyone knows that the reason that college game day, Pat McAfee show, first take, big noon kickoff, 60 minutes, the reason all of them are in Boulder this weekend is because of the players. Is because of those guys going out there and executing what this fantastic coaching staff has put out in front of them uh, and making those plays and getting these wins. And I just, I, I want that to be known because, you know, coach, the old phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Coach Prime led these guys to the water and they are drinking it up and now they are getting to enjoy the spoils and they, they got to keep it going. But, um, you know, the Xavier Weavers, the Jimmy Horns, the, the Shador Sanders, the Travis Hunters, the Dylan Edwards of the world and everyone else, Tank, you know, you can go on down the list. Those guys made this happen. They followed through on what these coaches believed they could do. And that's why this is the center of not just the college football world. I don't like that phrase. This is the center of the sports world yes. right now. Yeah, make no mistake about that, man. I mean, it's the talk of everyone's show. You can go on any uh, radio show, any TV show, any YouTube show, really. They're talking Coach Prime and the Buffs. And just to go back to what you said about the players, they're finally getting that recognition they deserve, though. You know, Shador up to QB3 on Mel Kuyper's draft chart for this year's quarterbacks. You know, we can get into all that later on in the season, whether he declares or not. Uh, we already know Travis, who he is. It feels like the nation's finally catching up to that, too. Same with Xavier Weaver. Like, he's getting national recognition. We talked about yesterday, the Senior Bowl, saying he's one of the stock-up players of the week. These players, man, um, it's really apparent. It's been apparent for a while. But when you watch well off, especially now, and how Coach Prime talks to them, and how Shane Cokes is basically setting the tone before practice yesterday on well off, it is something we talked about a lot. But this is truly a player-led team, and I'm really just excited for these guys, for these players to finally be getting the glow that they deserve. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a new level every week. And you, you know, all it took was one week to start getting Heisman hype. It didn't yeah. take any week to start getting these shows. You know, obviously uh, you, you first had big noon go to the first game, big noons and like, yeah, we're definitely going to the second game. Uh, I guess they had those two already, mm -hmm. but it's going to take new levels. And what I think is going to be the coolest thing to see Jake is after all of this, actually, I can't say it's the coolest thing to say because the actual football is the coolest thing to see. Yes. Um, after all of this, what you're going to see is that these guys are going to get those opportunities in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm so happy for a guy like Xavier Weaver, um, who was, you know, uh, hidden in obscurity because he was on a really bad team um, in, in South Florida to come here, get to play with a great quarterback get to play with an elite coaching staff and uh, you know, in turn get the eyes of the nation to see just how good he is at what he does. Um, that's, that's really cool to me. So he's going to end up in the NFL and Shane Cox is going to get his chance in the NFL and guys like tank and all this are starting to get NFL hype Savion Washington. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's just another one of those things that I talked about, I think the other day, of just like Coach Prime's gravity. Everyone wants to be around Coach Prime because 
Coach Prime uh, brings all of the attention. And then if you deliver, you are going to get elevated. For sure, man. Um, just one more thing on practice. I mean, we've seen all these NFL scouts already showing up in droves to Boulder to watch practice, to talk to Coach Mo and really learn about these players for NFL purposes, for draft purposes. So it's awesome to see that. I mean, the NFL, I think, kind of knew that there were players here, but it was really the topic of yesterday's show. This team has not gotten all the players that they they really need yet. Their best running back's not out on the field. Um, Cormani hasn't been out there. So it's going to be crazy. And it's going to get, I think, even better as we kind of move through. And we got some big games really coming up after this weekend as well. Of course. Yeah, that's and that's what I mean. Like, you, you go take care of business this week. You get to you hopefully have the opportunity to really put on a show uh, in front of all of America. And then you're going to get some massive opportunities to level up. Um, the way that this this schedule lays out for them is pretty cool, like especially with them having success. You know, when we first saw the schedule, we thought, damn, this is a really hard schedule and there's no breaks uh, as you go through it. But now you beat TCU, huge, you know, huge win, world on notice. You go take care of your biggest rival in Nebraska. Now you get your in-state rival, a whole new, you know, set of circumstances for you to be able to attack. Then after that is when you really get the opportunity to say, okay, this isn't just a fun story of a turnaround. This is a contender. Yes. Um, just so the people know, I think Big Noon's back on Franklin Field, right? No, they are on Ferrand. Oh, they're on Ferrand? So, and then there's another field that game day is on, right? Which one is that? So, yeah. So Ferrand Field is where Big Noon is. Game day will be on what is known as the business field, which mm -hmm. is right next to the lead school of business. Um, and maybe one of the best and most unobstructed views of the Flatirons uh, from like a, a, a big field like this on campus. And that's where all of ESPN's um, broadcast will be. So first take on Friday, Pat McAfee show on Friday, all of that taking, care, taking place from the business field. And I haven't seen game day didn't list an official time for when like they're going to start letting people into what they call the pit. Uh, but it just said first come first serve. So, uh, you know, you saw the gigantic line of students trying to get tickets today. You might see a even bigger line of people trying to get into the pit for college game day. Uh, you've got options this weekend though, because you can go to big noon or you can go to game day. It's pretty crazy what's going on. Yeah, and um, I think Big Noon, you know, from a product standpoint is getting there uh, in terms of just how good of a show it is and, you know, the type of coverage that they provide. But there's a different allure around college game day. That is, that's yeah. the one, um, you know, when the Buffs hired Coach Prime, like not, maybe not in my first 15 thoughts, but probably in my first 50 thoughts was, oh man, college game day is going to come to Boulder. Yep. and. So, you know, uh, I've been waking up before the sun on Saturday for a few weeks now. Uh, and I think I'm going to make it three in a row because I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss game day in Boulder. You twisted my arm and convinced me too. So I'll be out there on Saturday morning. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it, even though I'll probably be a little tired, I'm assuming. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Hopefully um, we can go get like a little uh, college football nap in yes. between that and, <laughs> and then when we head back up for the tailgate. <laughs> I'm all about it, man. I'm probably going to need it. Um, all right, let's catch you up on today's practice. 
But first, a word from our friends over at Fubo. Guys, Fubo is the best way to watch college football, to watch the NFL season. They got 140-plus live channels, sports, movies, music, and all kinds of shows. You get 1,000 hours of cloud DVR. Uh, they got the Pac-12 network, too. We haven't been victimized and play, placed on the Pac-12 network yet, um, but it's got to happen at least once, I think. Make sure you're covered with Fubo TV. Um, and new customers can sign up at Fubo TV. The website, go to FuboTV.com slash DMVR. You can sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro and watch all your favorite college football and NFL this season with Fubo. And the shout-out to FOCO. Um, FOCO is the place to go for sports merchandise um, and entertainment merchandise. They got apparel, accessories, toys, all kinds of cool stuff, Hawaiian shirts, Hawaiian hats. Uh, make sure you're ready for football season and decked out in all your fan gear. Foco always has your back for Colorado sports. Um, get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code DMVR, and you will get 10% off. Shout out to Foco. All right, let's talk about practice. Um, not a crazy day at practice. We had JD up on the podium. He obviously had a big game against Nebraska. Coach Williams came up after that. Uh, and you can just jump in here wherever you want. Um, but JD just asked about, you know, what the atmosphere was like on Saturday. And he said, you know, I've never been around an environment quite like this. And I thought that was pretty awesome thing for him to say, because this guy played a lot at Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech is down, but he was there for four years. He went and played in the SEC at Arkansas. And he's saying Colorado, CU, has an environment that he hasn't quite experienced before. That is really eye-opening. Uh, you know, I think when you think of college football atmospheres, you just immediately are transported to the SEC. Mm -hmm. And so for a player who's played at most of those areas and been to most of those areas to say that that was unlike anything he's ever seen before uh, just shows like the level of what's happening in Boulder. Uh, he was then asked about his production versus Nebraska. Again, he had a great game, didn't really do much against TCU. I don't think he even started against TCU, but started on Saturday and played really well. Um, just on the difference between TCU and last Saturday, he said it was a point of emphasis of just working on being dominant up front. He felt like they didn't show how dominant they could be against TCU. And I mean, this goes back to something I said after that game too. Like they were getting pressure on Chandler Morris. They just weren't getting home necessarily. Totally, totally. And, and they finally broke through. Uh, I don't know if this is possible. I'm, I'm asking Alyssa here. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Is it possible to flip our orientation so that I'm on the other side so that it looks like we're looking at each other rather than uh, off screen? There we go. go. <laughs> See, now it looks like we're looking at each other. There you go. Um, JD was asked about like kind of the trajectory of this defensive line of the edge position, and he felt like Saturday was a turning point in showing um, themselves what they can do. And, you know, we they talked about this. You go back to right before the that last scrimmage, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was JD on the sideline saying, we got some dogs at defensive end. They're going to be nasty. And they finally showed that against Nebraska. Oh, um, gosh, man. this If this defense can really break through and become a legit threat uh, to take over games like they did you know, in the first half against Nebraska, really, and for most of the game, the sky is the limit. The sky is legitimately the limit for what this team can can accomplish. You know, um, Juju Mitchell was like an incredible add to that defense. 
you know, if Demoy Kennedy can, you know, get, get up to speed and, and start making plays, obviously the defensive line, all of a sudden you, you know, there's going to be a couple of games that you get into where it's like stops are going to be at the ultimate premium. And if this defense, you know, was just getting started on Saturday, then we're in for a treat. Oh, yeah. Um, he was asked about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I mean, again, a lot of new guys, a lot of new coaches coming in. So there's a learning curve. He admitted to that, that he's still kind of picking it up and learning about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. He did say, though, by Friday, if you ask me the same question, I could probably break down the entire history of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, he's a smart guy. I, I think this team, you know, Coach Prime's done a great job, especially last week, of um, making them feel like they're a part of this rivalry and kind of writing their own chapter in it. And it feels like they're going to be able to do that on Saturday when they uh, take on the Rams and the local rivalry as well. Totally. When do you want me to get into uh, the history lesson after you're done telling, about, telling um, us about this? Yeah, we only got a few more here. Um, okay. It was a pretty light day. Uh, JD was asked about this defense, though, because he's obviously played two other stops. And what this defense, the differences between this defense, Charles Kelly's defense, and the defenses before. He said, with this defense, I feel like I have more freedom in my position. Coach Kelly puts us all in prime position to make plays. Ours is much more complex, meaning Coach Kelly's defense. Our DC thinks outside the box. This defense that I'm in shows my versatility as well. Not just mine, but everyone on the team. We've been saying it since Charles Kelly got here that it's going to be a versatile defense. Guys are going to be asked to play a lot of roles, so not surprising. Uh, Coach Williams was then up right after that. Uh, he was great today, by the way. Go check that out on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, he commented on the difference in performance from last week to, or from TCU to last week. He said, "We recognized our problems. We had guys self-critique and be honest um, on what it takes to play for Coach Williams. This was awesome. He said, "I said it from day one. Selfish guys can't play for me, but guys that want to play for the man next to them and for the team can play for me. Everyone's gonna play. Everyone's gonna play." But if you're selfish, you have to get out of the way. Um, I then asked him about Savelle Smalls. He had that pressure on Jeff Sims. Um, really the first flash we've seen from him in the black and gold. He said he's developing. He's embracing the hard coaching, attacking his weaknesses. We're not practicing on what we're good at. We're focusing on those weaknesses. Savelle wants to be a complete player. Uh, just a few more here. On CSU, he said, uh, just got to go out there and play our style of football. Again, still kind of learning about the rivalry. They're coming here to earn respect, and we are too. And then he spoke about the national attention surrounding this team. And he said, we've been through the struggle so long. He kind of talked about his uh, just pathway to get here as a coach, a lot of these players and what they've had to get through to get here. And he said, we've still got so much to prove. We hungry. And then finally, um, when the players found out about the turnover thrown, he said, I think they found out when we walked out on the field. It was awesome. It's incentive for those guys to go make plays. So not a super exciting day on the podium, but uh, I feel like we did learn some things and there will be a write-up tonight on DDMBR.com. Nice. Awesome stuff. And I think that this team is like fully locked into business mode. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like obviously the fun and games happen if you, uh, for lack of a better term, unlock them on Saturdays. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of uh, excitement that gets to come with that. But right now it feels like Monday through Friday is work time and yep. you know, they're, they're very locked in. I agree, man. Um, and just, 
I don't know if you watched well off today, but Coach Prime talks about it too. You know, the expectations for this team uh, from the outside are, of course, different from the inside. Coach had a certain expectation. He doesn't think they met it yet. But nationally, there were no expectations for this team when the season started. And now those are starting to build. And I think he's just done a great job of being real with the guys, you know, admitting that there's a lot going on, but you just can't get caught up in it. And what better guy than Dion Coach Prime Sanders to let you know how to block out the noise? Great point. Great point. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's catch up on another th- a few more things and then talk about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football season is back in full swing. It's been amazing. I'm finally feeling like whole again as a person. It's exciting. Make sure you get on in on all the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Uh, get, on, get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code DMBR to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code DMBR. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.sot1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 or older, age varies by jurisdiction. Uh, Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Ryan, we need a DraftKings pick of the week. I know this line for Saturday's game opened up at like 17 and a half, but I think it's up to as high as 23 and a half now. I'm checking it right now. Um, Someone's got to go find the receipts of me saying when that opened, this is going to go to 23 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Yep. It is 23 and a half. Are we taking the buffs? Yes. Let's go. Yes, we are. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why they won't be able to, you know, really win this one and pretty much name their score. I mean, I agree. It's just about doing what you do, playing your game, getting out of this game clean and healthy and getting on to the real business ahead. Um, and then finally, just shout out to our diehard members and consider becoming a DMBR diehard. Comes with tons of great stuff. You get a free shirt at sign up and every year after. 20% off merch always, 20% off all events, including our tailgate for this weekend, which I do have the details for you. It's going to be at the Millennium Hotel Pavilion in Boulder. Uh, we will post a tweet with the address. It starts at 5 p.m. You can find tickets at ddmvr.com. Just go to the events. Um, and it'll be right there. The ticket includes Saucy Southern Dinner. So you get the hookup from them. Uh, free break beers and games. Uh, it's going to be right across the street from Folsom. So that's going to be a hell of a time. Can't wait to see you guys. And again, go to ddmvr.com to sign up to become a diehard. Get that Discord access too. All right, I think man. The, the pavilion at the Millennium Hotel is kind of a legendary place in Boulder folklore. I'd love to hear um, more. So I guess here's a history lesson number one. Um, Back in the day, there was a thing there called the Friday Afternoon Club, which obviously (laughs) predates predates me 
by many years. I think it was in like the 70s. And it started as just like a fun little thing and they would have live music. And it was, it was like, oh, if you're in Boulder, if you're a student, if you're getting off work on a Friday, like that's where you go hang out. And it ended up turning into like an insane party every week. Um, you know, all of the things that you associate with uh, partying in the 70s, running rampant. Uh, and it got, it actually ended up getting so out of hand that they had to shut it down, uh, and get rid of it. So um, when we started, uh, the, the Friday afternoon club at DNVR is just like a time when there's drink specials, come hang out after work on Friday. Uh, it was a little bit of an homage to the legendary Friday afternoon club in Boulder. I'm sure some of our commenters, uh, who are longtime CU fans can tell us some stories about it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure. The Millennium Hotel Pavilion is where all that went down. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got some serious parting to live up to if we're going to tailgate there. Let's go. I think Buff Nation's up for it, man. The tailgate last Saturday was pretty pretty lit. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's about local rivalry. It's going to be crazy this weekend. Well, in last week it was what seven thirty a.m. when we were tailgating. Yep. This week we get to tailgate all the way up to damn near seven thirty p.m. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's going to. Uh, that's going to cause uh, cause for some some different level of tailgating. I can't wait. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, all right, guys, smash that thumbs up button. Also, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd appreciate your five star review as well. Class is in session, Ryan. Teach us about the Rocky Mountain Showdown and what it means for Buff Nation. So the Rocky Mountain Showdown uh, actually dates all the way back to 1893 by the way gather around the fire kids yes <laughs> um and what you need to know about that is that the rivalry started off exactly the way that it was going to be for the rest of its history in the first matchup february 10th 1983 colorado beat then colorado agricultural <laughs> 70 to 6 uh in the first ever meeting Now, between 1893 and just making sure I have my dates here, in 1911, Colorado and Colorado State played 14 times. Colorado only didn't win one of them. Now, I say didn't win because this is definitely the most interesting score of all of the Rocky Mountain Showdown games. November 10th, 1906, a 0-0 tie. A 0-0 tie. Can you imagine being oh in the building God. for a football game that ended in a 0-0 tie? Um, that, it'd be something to witness for sure. I don't know if you'd enjoy it in the moment, but you could at least uh, say you witness history. Yeah, right. Um, after that, I think the most important thing to know about this rivalry, other than the fact that it's been one-sided towards Colorado for the entirety of it, 67-22-2, and two, um, is the the record of the of the Rocky Mountain Showdown all time heavily slanted towards Colorado, but to me this rivalry is about the students um, more than any other rivalry. Colorado Nebraska really was about the football. Um, it was really uh, uh, between all of the fans. Even like I think it's fair to say like the hate from alumni is equal to, if not greater than, the hate from the students. When it comes to Colorado State, this is a true student-on-student rivalry. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, 
that if you're like me, you go to high school in Colorado and many of your friends go to Colorado and many of your friends go to Colorado state. And like, I still remember just like all the shit talk between me and my friends who went to CSU, like that first week of school, our first week of college, we're all texting back and forth talking shit about the game. Um, and so that, I think that's really important to note. Um, they played the game many years uh, at mile high down in Denver. And yep. it's actually funny that it's not there this year because it was only sold out there or close to sold out there a couple times. Uh, and I think if you were playing this one at mile high, you could have sold it out easily. Oh, yeah. uh, that always caused for like a great atmosphere. You've got everyone tailgating in the same lot. There's like a CSU lot on one side, a CU lot on the other, you know, sometimes things get out of hand. Sometimes fights were breaking out. People are hucking beers like over enemy lines. <laughs> um, but there's one kind of era of this rivalry that really cranked it up to the next notch. And it's because there's really one era in the history of Colorado State football where they were relevant whatsoever. Um, and that is the early 2000s. Um, they had ranked on ranked matchups then. Uh, I'm looking at it here. You had a couple different ones where it was like, okay, this is legit. Um, really 99, Colorado State actually blows out Colorado. Uh, when when the Buffs were ranked number 14 in the country, they come back the next year, they win again when Colorado is ranked 23. And like, that's what you have to do to create a rivalry, right? You have to take something from someone. Yep. Um, and you had, you know, a, a little stretch there where the rivalry really got cranked up because the Rams held up their end and, and took something from the Buffs. Um, the next year, Colorado State's ranked. They're number 24. They get their asses beat by CU at the same score that... Two years before Colorado State had done to Colorado, 41 to 14. Um, then again, the next year, Colorado State's ranked number seven going into the year. Colorado State upsets them 1914. It's like you've got this back and forth. Oh, you're hyped? Well, guess what? We're coming in twice as hungry. We're going to beat you. Oh, you're hyped? We're coming in twice as hungry. We're going to beat you. Um, and uh, I hate him deeply. But, um, you know, the one guy who was kind of the catalyst for this was, was a quarterback for Colorado State by the name of Bradley Van Pelt. Um, ended up being a Bronco, so, you know, uh, maybe you, re you remember his name. But I do. He, he played his role really well, right? You're, you've got to be the villain opposing quarterback when you're the kind of the underdog in a rivalry. And he riled up Colorado State fans in, in such a way that it really took things to the next level. Um, he famously once ran for a touchdown and you know as he crossed the goal line spiked the ball at a CU player's face um and like you know you want to talk about disrespect you want to talk about you know making it personal um he made it personal then so the rivalry really kicks up I think in the early 2000s but after that short little stint there from really 99 to 2002 Colorado regains dominance in the rivalry, the same dominance that they've had forever. Uh, and I think for the last part of this, you have, well, yeah, I'll skip that part. I was gonna talk about the games uh, in Folsom that they had for a couple of years there. For a little while, it was like, it was rotating between Folsom back and, uh, you know, interestingly enough, the last game at Folsom, Colorado State won. Um, but there were some great battles in there. Uh, but since 2015, Colorado has dominated the rivalry again. The last five matchups, the Buffs won. Uh, and really, four out of the five were blowouts. 44 to 7, 17 to 3, 45 to 13, 
and 52 to 31. Um, and it's funny because, you know, Colorado State fans always like to, I guess, talk shit about CU being bad for the last 20 years. Well, what does it say about your school that it's CU's worst time ever? They still absolutely dominated this series. When, when we were down horrendous, still better than Colorado State. I love it. That was great. Um, we've talked about this rivalry a bit. You know, the Lawrence Vickers kind of throw down at the goal line. Uh, the Joel Clatt, the lightning pass. What is your mm -hmm. favorite moment that you've witnessed from this rivalry? Um, ooh, okay. We've got a couple. Uh, you mentioned it, though. And I think it for me, it was one of, I think it was my second game ever in the Mile High series. And it was pouring rain. Uh, we were sitting in the top, top, top of, of Mile High. And it's just downpouring. We're soaked. You know, you've got your, like, game ponchos on. They're not doing anything. And it's a close game. There is, you know, murmurs of a potential weather delay coming through. Joel Clapp, play action fake, hits his back foot, throws a deep post to Derek McCoy. And, I mean, as he catches it, the lightning strikes right behind the stadium. It's so loud. You've got the eruption of CU fans combined with this like incredible roar of thunder uh which ends up leading to a uh a weather delay but like the combination of those two things is something nothing like i've ever seen before um so that was amazing they go on to win last second drive joel clatt to jeremy bloom touchdown at the end of the game to secure the win that one's amazing but i think my favorite one of all time was actually at Folsom. i've told this story before i think but for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time um, Colorado State goes all the way down the field with a chance to score a touchdown. I want to say they're down four, but I don't know for sure. I could probably see it here. Mm, maybe they were down. No, they were. I don't know. Who cares? Um, I think they're down three, actually. Um, they get all the way down to the goal line with like a minute left. And they've got four chances to score a game-winning touchdown. Um, first down, stop. Second down, stop. Third down, stop. Fourth down, stop. And it just sends Folsom into an absolute frenzy. And it's one of those games that I'll never forget because I don't know if I've ever had that big of a swing of emotion in that short a time. Like, you're sitting there. They're down on the one-yard line. They're down at the goal line, and you're thinking, oh, my God, we're going to lose this game. And, yep. like, you know, when they get the stop on first down, you're thinking, okay, all right, just three more. That feels still feels really unlikely. They get it on second down, you're saying, all right, we got a chance here. They get it on third down, and now you're like, I need to make the loudest sound I've ever made in my life to try and give these guys one extra boost. And so all, the roar of Folsom as they're lining up for that fourth down attempt is just unbelievable uh and you know they pitch left um CU absolutely blows up the play they tackle them you know mayhem ensues and so that one that's probably got to be my favorite because that's just like an incredible almost a one-off way to win a football game how often right. do you get to see something like that that's honestly probably I think the best way to win a football game is a stand on the yeah. goal line it's just it, the momentum and just the build up for that and I guess just the 
relief after you actually hold them on the goal line. It's pretty unmatched. Um, we had Nebraska Dan last. Out, what, sorry, Dan points out that the goal line stand uh, included Marcus Houston, which mm. we've talked about him before. Uh, number one running back in the country, maybe the number one player in the country, comes to Colorado. Um, uh, Eric Bieniemy berates him too much uh, to the point where he transfers to Colorado State, and he was talking a lot. Uh, and so he was one of the four, at least one of the four stops down on the goal line was uh, was on Marcus Houston, which you know took the crowd to another level. Last week against Nebraska, it was hate week, right? Like, and you could tell on Twitter between the coaches, just everything. There was pure hate uh, from that rivalry. You mentioned, I mean, rivalries, you have to take something from someone. And, you know, Colorado State does have some of those big wins earlier in the 2000s. How would you describe this rivalry compared to the Nebraska one? It's just different, you know. Um, it's kind of funny to go from these from one position to the next position uh, in a week, but like they're kind of opposites, right? Mm -hmm. um, we were honest about the fact that the rivalry with Nebraska had a lot to do with the fact that Nebraska commanded respect. Um, they were the gold standard of the big eight uh, when, when coach McCartney got there and he pointed that out, acknowledged it and said, let's go beat them. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't really until Colorado started taking something from Nebraska to where that rivalry peaked. This one's the same. CSU cares more about beating Colorado than Colorado cares about beating CSU because Colorado is big brother. This is in this situation, that's the position that Colorado plays. Colorado is expected to beat Colorado State every single time. So despite the fact that they have more than triple the wins that Colorado State has in this series, and the times that Colorado State wins are always much louder. Um, you know, the, I'll never forget uh, Colorado State won. Maybe the last time they won in 2014, if you can remember back that long ago. Um, they, there was a headline in the Denver Post that was like, Rams run the state. And it was like, oh, yeah, they win one game out of, a, you know, an eight-game stretch, and now they run the state. Like, so every time they win... It's, it's 10 times as loud. Um, and that's really where the hate comes from, from Colorado fans. Cause you know, as much as they hate being called this, it really is like your little, your pesky little brother beats you in 21 and you know, you beat him 50 times, but the one time he beats you, he's going to tell the whole world yep. about it. Yep. Uh, it has that energy. And so that's, that's really like, it's, like I said, it's mostly between the fan bases. It's mostly between the students and it's mostly because from my perspective, Colorado State fans are incredibly obnoxious the one time out of so many uh, that they get a win. And I'm looking over my shoulder at Ryan Green, who went to Colorado State. Um, there he What's is. Up, <laughs> we love RG, even though he's a Ram. Yeah, um, that's my guy. So, uh, you know, he, it, it's, it's that way. That's, that's really the rivalry. Mm -hmm. You have to beat CSU because you, you don't want to deal with the, the bullshit that comes with losing to them. Um, and for them, it's, it's their Super Bowl. If they win that game, that's going to be a successful season for, in, in their fans' eyes. Yeah, just looking back at this 2014 game, I mean, this Colorado State team had some NFL players, man. Garrett Grayson, Rashard Higgins. Um, they had some guys back then. They uh, always and, have a couple good players. Um, and, you know, like 
Rashard Higgins is one. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gallup, right? From, yeah, well, Michael Gallup's another one. They've had a good run of run uh, of wide receivers, but they had uh, why can't I remember his first name? Bibbs. Oh, Capri uh, Bibbs. Capri Bibbs. There you go, Capri Bibbs. Um, I think he like set the NCAA rushing yep. uh, touchdown record in a season at one point. So like they've always got a few guys. You know, one of the big villains from from my childhood was Cecil Sapp, who was a Bronco for a short yep. period of time. Um, like I said, Bradley Van Pelt was a Bronco for a short period of time. Uh, so you know they've uh, they they'll always have a couple players. This year it's Tory Horton, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Mo Camara too on the defensive Mo, side, but yeah. Yep. Mo Camara. So uh, it's a it's a funny rivalry, and I, I love it. You know, a lot of CU fans hate the rivalry, and the reason is what I just talked about: nothing to gain, everything to lose. Yep. Um, in this case, I don't find that to be the the truth. What do they have to gain here? <laughs> the, the hype keeps on rolling. It it goes to right. another level. Uh, you know, you win this one and. Next week will be the biggest matchup in America uh, when you travel to Eugene. Um, and so I actually think they have a lot to gain in this one, but there's been so many years where CU's down horrendous and they can't afford to lose the game against Colorado State because, you know, then everyone's pointing and laughing. Um, so a lot of CU fans just said, like, get rid of this series. There's nothing in it for us. We're just, like, carrying – um, a subpar university to heights that they don't deserve to go to and, and yeah. hype that they don't deserve at all um, to, you know, to play this game. And I understand where they're coming from with that. I just love when there's a little something extra on the line. Like I love going into the stadium and not wanting to win the game, but wanting to destroy them, wanting yeah. to see their fans hitting the exits early. Like they did last week. Like I love that. Mm -hmm. there's a higher stakes there's higher stakes if you lose you're gonna be you know heartbroken to a, a whole other level but when you've won you know 67 and they've won 22 it's really not that much of a threat you don't yeah. have that much to worry about I'm of the belief that I like playing these games I like playing ones that matter just a little bit more even if there's more risk than there is reward for you um, anything else on this rivalry before, uh, I ask you about what we talked about yesterday? No. Um, but like I just said, I want to demolish them. Yeah. Like run the score up, uh, play all of the backups. I, I, I want like, that's what I want. I, I don't want to show any mercy. And here's the last thing I'll say. People for the longest time have had this farcical idea in their head that it's quote unquote best for football in the state if both teams mm -hmm. are good. Yep. No, what Colorado State does has no impact on Colorado. It is not better for Colorado if Colorado State is good. They're irrelevant to our success. You know what's best for football in the state of Colorado? Colorado being amazing and being exciting like they are right now. Do you know how many kids are sitting at home right now that are nine, 10, 11 years old who are saying, I wanna play football, I wanna go play and put on the black and gold and, wh and whether they'll actually get a chance to or not, I wanna go play for Coach Prime. That's legitimately good for, for 
football in Colorado. Would Colorado State being at this level also be good for football in Colorado? Sure. Why not? That will never happen. So Colorado State, in my opinion, has absolutely no impact on the health of football in the state of Colorado. The, one of the teams, and only one of them is capable of this, being nationally relevant is what matters most. I saw even this week, I saw an old-timey writer say, like, the best thing for football in this state would be a hard-fought, close game on Saturday. It's like, no. Yep. Best thing for football in this state is Colorado continuing to dominate and, uh, you know, shoot up the top 25 rankings and have the entire world looking at Colorado. 100%. The the goal for this game should be to win so big that Travis and Shador are out by the fourth quarter, in my opinion. I mean, that's how bad you should try and beat these guys. You should be having uh, second stringers in to close out the game, kind of like they did at the end of last week, uh, just a little bit sooner, ideally, so that we can kind of get this behind us and get onto Oregon. Not to look past CSU, but, I mean, they're a G5 team. We're a Power 5 team. It is what it is. Yep. Um, it's it's an interesting one. It's an interesting rivalry, mm -hmm. and it's a fun one, and I hope um, Colorado destroys Colorado State. Yep. Um, I'll be talking on the Rams pod with Justin tomorrow. We'll also have a segment with him on this show to kind of break down the actual game that we're going to get this weekend. But Ryan, we talked about Shador versus Matt rule yesterday. You were in the comments. I could tell you were dying to speak on this. I want to hear your thoughts on what happened before the game on Saturday. Stop the cap. Stop the cap. Let him know. <laughs> How are you just going to stand up there and lie like that? That's wild. Um, and I guess like I shouldn't be surprised because so much of college football is about coaches lying. Um, it, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it has some dark skeletons in its closet, uh, college football. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. lying that goes on in this sport, but Matt rule sitting up there and in the, I mean, he is a terrible liar. He was so unconfident in his words. It was like, geez, man, if you're going to lie, at least be decent at it. Um, <laughs> So he stood up there, lied to everyone, and, you know, I think Coach Prime had the perfect response. They were praying, that's cool with me, let's move on. Uh, but we all, uh, you know, it has been 24 hours, so mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, a, it's time to make that graphic that Dre promised if Matt Rule didn't produce a picture of them, you know, at least on a knee, um, praying. I think it was Louise on Twitter who pointed out, like, there's like guys like drinking from their giant yeah. water jugs. They're just hanging out. Like when, when Shador walked out there, you didn't see a bunch of guys like down on one knee with their head in their hands, like pop up like, oh, sorry, Shador. We didn't realize you were there. Like, no, they're all just standing around. Go back. If you go back to yesterday's show, someone put in, in the comments the link from the well off on Saturday and the timestamp of what's going on. And it's funny because Shador already, you know, flashed his wrist, did all this stuff. He's trying to get onto his pregame routine. And you can see Bucky, it sounds like Coach Williams or another coach, they're talking to Matt Rule, being like, what the hell is going on? And he's doing the same shit he's doing to the media. Where he's like, oh, well, you know, like his voice, you know, trying to explain everything. It's like, dude, we know what's going on here. Yeah. It was uh it was a ridiculous move in the first place. Um they got what they deserved. And, you know, I think the best way to put it is don't start none, won't be none. Uh, 
Yep. Um, and they started that one. They got what they deserved. And now we're on to Colorado State. Yep. They're irrelevant. Uh, hopefully we don't have to talk about them for a long time. Um, all right. Let's get to questions. Unless you had anything else. I should have thrown my watch on today so I could throw it up. But <laughs> Perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to Illegal Pete's. Uh, are you missing Illegal Pete's, Ryan? I know you've been traveling a lot. How much do you miss it? I miss it quite a bit. I will say there's a Mexican place like, uh, you know, seven floors down and 20 feet across the street from where I am right now. I just had some birria tacos. Ooh, Ooh they were amazing. That sounds so um, good. But I do miss me some classic Illegal Pete's. Uh, that's what I had for lunch today. Illegal Pete's is amazing, man. It's the go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beers. Uh, they got a full bar, a ton of craft beer selections and margs. Happy hour, 3 to 8 p.m. at all 12 locations. If you're stopping in Boulder, if you're coming out to watch the Buffs, to see Coach Prime and what Shador and the boys are up to, uh, make sure you stop by Illegal Pete's. There's a location in Boulder. It's your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. And then finally, shout out to Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Shady Rays, the best uh, sunglasses out there, man. Um, they've got tons of styles, tons of frames, tons of lenses. Um, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of combinations. You can go online and check them all out or go to the Park Meadows Mall. Um, they're the best and really durable frames. Um, and they're backed by the Lost and Broken Replacement Program. So even if you are uh, a bit harsh on your sunglasses, no need to worry. Shady Rays has you covered. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use that code DMVR. You'll get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And you can try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I have to laugh, Jake, um, because I had just got done trying to educate everyone on how to pronounce Shador, and then Rick Ross drops the video, <laughs> do the Shador. Yes. I'm like, well, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to be the one to tell Rick Ross he's pronouncing it wrong. Um, uh, yeah, that's like a whole other uh, thing now. Yeah, now it's just in the ether. Uh, so, you know, I guess maybe Shadur is now a, uh, a acceptable pronunciation in the right context. Yeah. You got it. You got to flex the wrist when you do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can flex the wrist. Then, then the, uh, if, if your watch is right, then you can call him Shadur. Right. Dime time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if, if the watch reads dime time, then it's Shadur. <laughs> oh, I love it. Also, right. what's up? Bro, the haircut goes crazy. Thank you, man. I appreciate I it. Love it. I Shout love it. Shout out to you, chat. You guys have been shouting out last two days too. Thank you. <laughs> Did you go see my barber or what? Nah, I just went to the the shop down the street from where I live. You know, they get right. me right there. Is it a proper shop? Like, if you're gonna tell me it's called, you're like, oh, I went to the local Great Clips. I might be upset. Uh, I will refuse to comment on that. Oh my <laughs> I got, God. All I right. got a great cut though. It's all that matters, right? You did. You did. But I might have to send you to my, to my spot if you're <laughs> going to get cuts like that. And then you'll, you know, they'll turn it up a notch. <laughs> all right. We'll talk about it when you get back, man. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, who's up first, Alyssa? Who do we got? What's up, Ken? Uh, why all these particular, why all these networks come in this particular week? I mean, get in on the the momentum and just the the story that swept the sports world in the United States. Basically, that's what's going on. Yeah, you got to get in while the getting's good. Yep. Um, I told you guys last week. I said 
game day is coming next week because they cannot afford to keep falling behind big noon kickoff um, even further when it comes to the Coach Prime hype. And um, I saw someone in the chat say it earlier, like CU fans need to ride for big noon now because they believed um, and yeah. they bring up, they have a good point. They have <laughs> a good point. So, you know, I knew game day would come this week because it's just like, okay, we have to get in there and don't think it's not some sort of like turf war that big noon, that big noon said, well, we're not leaving. Right. Um, that was like a big middle finger from Fox to ESPN saying, cool. Yeah, I guess you guys can come here, but guess what? Our set's already built. Um, so you can't have our spot. Uh, and, and like I said, that is not accidental. That has that, that goes deeper than them, just them wanting to be here for the game. It's like, uh, uh, too bad. You guys are late. Uh, party's already started. You can get in line. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it is the biggest story in sports and don't we know it better than anyone else, Jake coach prime brings eyeballs. Yep. And so everyone wants needs craves a piece of this and they know that coach prime will know how to use them as leverage so guess what mm -hmm. you show up on boulder on friday your first take coach prime's gonna be on set your pat mcafee pat mcafee show coach prime's gonna be on set college game day coach prime's gonna be on set and everyone's gonna want to watch and and your clips of whatever he said are gonna go viral um and, you know, it's it's all predictable. I'll just say I don't think anyone could have predicted that it would happen by week three of season one after two power five games to start the season that, you know, the only non power five game on the schedule would result in every single big sports show in America showing up uh, to, for the game. So, you know, I, we knew it would happen. We knew the eyes would come. We knew the attention would come. I certainly didn't know it would be by week three. It's amazing. Um, just two things real quick. Fox has laid claim to Boulder. They haven't even moved their green room. What's up, Spano? <laughs> that is our CEO right there. <laughs> Meet Brandon uh, Spano. <laughs> they have Fox has laid claim to Boulder, bro. They haven't even moved, you know, where the press conferences room or room is. That green room mm -hmm. right outside there. They haven't even moved that. It's still set up. Um, they've laid claim to it. And then just with ESPN and college game day, we've got them uh against Colorado State this weekend on ESPN. They announced that they're gonna be playing the Oregon game on ABC on their prime primetime slot 130 uh for their, I guess, afternoon game. Then you've got USC after that. That's probably, I think, going to be on ESPN as well. So that could be three straight days of call or three straight weeks of college game day. So a uh, little behind the scenes that I heard from someone who works within one of these networks. Based on the way that Pac-12 media rights work, Fox got those first two. ESPN got this one. That was all known before the season. After that, ESPN got first pick of if they want Oregon or USC. They, I think, did the safe thing, which I think is the wrong thing, but they did the safe thing and said, well, give us the, the next one. We'll get two in a row back from them. So they took Oregon on ABC. So don't be surprised if USC, and we'll see what time of the day they want to put it at, but they might just go right back to 10 a.m., mm -hmm. um, 
and make USC the big noon kickoff game because I believe Fox will get first dibs on that one. Mm. To me, that if if that's true, if everything that I just said was true, which it came from someone I trust who knows how this stuff works uh, and, and is kind of in it, so I think it is. I think that, that ESPN made a huge mistake by not taking the USC game. Uh, Shador versus Caleb Williams is going to be a segment on every sports show in America every day that week. Like the Caleb Williams versus Shador will be every single day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I think that that one will be arguably one of the most watched college football games of the season. No doubt. Absolutely, man. Um, I think we'll get an announcement on that game sometime next week. We got the Oregon one this week, so that appears to be the timeline we're working on. What else do we got? Carson's asking if they've learned the fight song yet. I I felt like I saw a lot more guys singing the song after the game against Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, they're getting there. They're yeah. getting there. Uh, by let's say by USC, if they you know if they win these next two, they'll have two more chances. When they win these next two, they'll have two more chances to uh, to learn the song. Uh, Tavon's asking any injury updates on the team. We got an injury update on Van Wells from Coach Prime yesterday. It sounds like he's going to miss some time. Probably probably won't play this weekend. Um, but I I think this is something that we're just going to have to learn on Friday. Um, we haven't really gotten too much injury information this week. Okay, we'll stay tuned. It didn't sound like he was necessarily ruling out Van Wells, though. Am I wrong there? No, but I just the way he talked. About, I mean, he kind of talks about all the injured guys the same. You know, kind of he said it about Travis J and uh, Brendan Gant. Like you got to be able to see them on the field. And Van did limp off at one point. Obviously, didn't finish the game. So uh, I'll try and get clarification on that for tomorrow. If we're at worst on Friday's pregame show, gonna need him. Uh, gonna need him for Oregon and USC. So yep. hopefully, you know, if if he needs to take this week off, he can be right for those two. Uh, random sports comments is asking when is CU homecoming? That is, I believe, Oregon State. Yep. So November fourth. Nice. That's homecoming. This weekend is a Buffs wear black game. So if you're going to the game, make sure you wear black. The USC game is Buffs wear white. And then the Stanford game on October 13th on Friday, that will be the Gold Rush game, and that is also family weekend at CU. Yeah, those used to be called blackout games, um, and then someone caused a stir about that and said it was like not politically correct. <laughs> uh, so now it's a buffs wear black game. That sure rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, what else do we got? David, what's up? Uh, any news on when we can get official Shador slash Travis and Shiloh jerseys? Um, they're up. Sh- uh, Travis posted a Travis link did, yeah. um, after the TCU game, I believe. So if you go to his Twitter timeline, I'm sure you can find the link. But um, yeah, there's jerseys, uh, youth, um, adults, all kinds of stuff. Yep. Uh, the boy's dad, nothing yet. I could find on the DMVR website concerning this week's Buff Tailgate. What's up? Um it's it's it'll it's coming. We're gonna have a tweet here soon. It'll have a link and everything. So just stay tuned to DMVR underscore buffs on Twitter. We'll get you. Yeah, we got uh put into a precarious position by the people that we thought we were partnering with for the tailgates all year. Um shout out to Lindsay and Spencer for saving the day. For real, for real. 
CJ, uh, have we tasted the Rocky Mountain oysters? I've never tried one. Have you? Yeah. Um, they serve them at the Dark Horse. Oh, really? And they're delicious. They're delicious. Uh, like they're legitimately tasty. So, uh, next time we go there, I'm gonna make you try them. All right, sounds good. Um, Speaking of the Dark Horse, yeah, let them know. Um, a I guess report came out or a uh, blueprint came out that they are trying to build more student housing where the dark horse is and like we simply will not stand for this um whatever we have to do to stop that from happening look i'm all for building more student housing but work around the dark horse um for those of you who haven't been there it's probably it's definitely the most legendary bar in boulder and it's not a place that you can move um <laughs> you have to like see a picture of the inside of it for to yeah. understand what i'm talking about but like i'll try to explain it to you there is furniture bicycles machinery um <laughs> memorabilia everything you could think of is hanging from the ceilings and the walls and i have no idea how they even got it all there but it, it it's like it's not recreatable yep. um in a new space so you know let's uh let's find a different place or just like i said use that area don't touch the dark horse leave the dark horse alone we will not allow the dark horse to be bulldozed it's got so much character. It's just like a classic, like American college town bar, basically. Like, yes, tearing that down is just—it's almost sacrilegious to Boulder and to CU because it's a like mainstay. It's legitimately unique and special enough that, like, it maybe should be classified as like a historic landmark. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, and yeah, and someone in the comments, Tyson says, "Make Dark Horse a Boulder historical site, like for real." Mm-hmm. It, it's that uh, that special, that unique of a place. So, don't touch it. We'll we'll ha- we'll make a circle around it if we have to. A human <laughs> human shield. You gotta go through us. Mm-hmm. Um, unknown. Where's Alton McCaskill? Uh, soon, very very soon. Um, I think the plan is to play him against Oregon. I would be shocked if we see him on the field on Saturday. Yeah, uh, he won't be out. There's no reason to play him Saturday. Uh, Lonnie's asking, how come this game isn't at mile high this year? Um, CU fans, when Rick George got here, he asked fans, Hey, like what's something that's really important to you? And one of the big things they said was, we don't want to play Colorado state unless it's on campus. And so he got to move back to campus. There you go. Um, CU will be traveling to Fort Collins next year for, uh, the next installment of this rivalry after Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's next? B. Wilk. Oh, uh, also, you... go ahead. Someone earlier, I think it was Connor, said that uh, Colorado State Stadium is nicer than Colorado's. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> it, it might be newer, uh, but that's nothing... ex- th- that's what it is. It's newer. That's all. Yeah, exactly. But there are many things in life where new isn't always better. Uh, than than what you used to have so um you know it's like is is streaming cable 
a, a nice option, sure, but it's not as nice as just being able to turn your TV on and pick a channel. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Be woke. Do you agree with me that CU's massive success will ultimately give CSU a boost in recruiting? It happened in the 90s. McCartney led to Lubick. Uh, the state of Colorado is back on the map with recruits. I don't know. One thing I could see happening is like Colorado's recruiting footprint goes so wide that some really good players in Colorado don't end up being good enough to go to Colorado mm -hmm. and then want to stay in Colorado. So they go to Colorado state. And so they benefit from that, but that's about as far as I would be willing to go. Um, I mean, the only thing I'll add is Norvell seems like a pretty good coach. He seems to be, you know, he got, he has a type, he knows what he wants to recruit, what he wants to get in. So, um, I think that, you know, CSU can kind of be on the up and up as a program, regardless of what CU's success looks like. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Norvell seems like a likable guy. Did you mm -hmm. see my tweet about how much he sounds like Will Compton? No, I did not. Did I'll send you the clip. If you close your eyes and listen to him talk, he sounds just like Will Compton. <laughs> okay, now. Um, he wears that mechanic shirt. Did you see Coach Prime wearing the overalls yesterday? <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think that was that. I don't know. Was that was that coincidental? Do you hey, I don't know. <laughs> I just picked up on it. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got? Wayne, what's up? Do you think they will play uh, Gantt, Travis J, McCaskill, or will they hold them out until Oregon? I don't think you need to play them. Um, I doubt we see them. Depending on where those guys are in their recovery, and I think Alton seems the furthest along. Yes. Maybe you give him two, three carries. Mm -hmm. Just you know, just to say, hey, let's let's just make it so that your first carry of the season you know, in, in however many months isn't at Oregon. Right. I could see that maybe. Yeah. It does sound like Travis and Gant are pretty far, not far away, but uh, we're at least a few weeks away from them getting back. Coach really wants to see them on the field, it sounds like, and kind of work through things. And if you watched well off today, you can see Travis and just how he moves in drills, just not as sudden, just not as ready as some of the other guys who have been playing. So, it's a process. Just getting them back on the field, I think, is a huge step, and we'll get there soon enough. Yep. Uh, Panzer's asking, what do you guys think of Shiloh so far? Has he earned his title head at gang CEO? Uh, I think he's done a great job. Um, you know, he hasn't really had the opportunity to lay a hit like that yet. Um, I know that opportunity will come for him, so I'm not worried about the, the nickname too much, but he's made some really important tackles as the last line of defense. He's gotten up uh, near the line of scrimmage and made some plays. I think he's, uh, he's done a great job and, and definitely showed that he deserves to be playing in that spot. I agree. I mean, he was the leading tackler in the TCU game. Um, he was, you know, gang tackling, getting to the ball, helping stop a lot of big plays from becoming uh, scoring plays against CU. And then he did have a pretty big hit. Um, I think it was uh, either a run that bounced to, the, to your side of the field at Folsom last weekend or it was like a pass out of the backfield. Um, and he corralled a guy. It must have been like a second and third and short. I remember it being a pretty, pretty big play, though. I don't think, um, to, not to move off Shiloh too quickly, but I don't think enough has been made about Cam Silman Craig and how he played in that game. Um, so I haven't made it 
through my rewatch yet, but dude, he's in on like four of the first five plays. Yep. Um, just like bringing the electricity, bringing the boom, flying into the backfield. He has one where he just misses a like six yard tackle for loss, but he redirects the running back and the gang tackle gets there. Like he was balling and he came into that game with his hair on fire. Yep. I mean, he, he's always bring, bringing the energy, man. Um, I'm happy he's back out on the field and able to do his thing finally. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Eve Kasid says, I thought Klatt said live during the TCU game he asked for Big Noon to do the Nebraska game. Uh, I'm sure he had some say in it. Yeah, and I guess someone else said that he said on his podcast this week, like, like uh, ESPN copied us. We were here first. <laughs> he's not wrong. All right, last one. Edward wants to know, do you think CU will have a televised show similar to Hard Knocks? Kind of yeah, It's called exists. Well Off Media. Yep, exactly. And then the coach <laughs> it's called Prime Reach the People. It's called uh, the pregame show. Yep. And then the Coach Prime documentary that's going to come out on Prime after the season. We already saw episode one um, back in the winter. And we're they're out there filming. They're in every press conference basically filming stuff. We see them all over the field for the games. So uh, tons more content coming your way. I cannot wait to see just who might make a cameo in that Coach Prime documentary. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, all right. Is that it? Is there one more? No, we're good. All right, man. Uh, you're back on Friday? I'm back on Friday for the pregame show. I'll be on the postgame show. I know I told you. When this schedule came out and they announced eight o'clock start for this game, I said, I'm not going to be doing the, the post game show. I can't miss the post game show. Of course, <laughs> I'm coming go. on the post game show. Hell yeah. I'd uh, love to hear it. It's going to be a late one, but hopefully, you guys come hang out with us Saturday night after the Buffs make it three and oh, hopefully. Again, we'll have Justin Michael on from DMVR Rams tomorrow, maybe another guest as hey. well. And then Friday's go easy on Go easy on J Mike. That goes for you. And the chat, you know, he, he's a Ram. We hate the Rams, but Justin Michael is legitimately such a nice person yes. that it has made me hate CSU less knowing him. <laughs> That's my guy, man. I love that dude. Yeah. I'm happy to just make content with him. And now we get to talk about our beats together tomorrow. I'm pretty excited. So, all right, man, uh, take care. Hopefully you guys have fun out there in Philly. We'll see you Friday. Let's go Buffs. Let's go Buffs.